Hey everybody, I'm Nick McRae, the Associate Pastor of Serving Ministries here, and it is a joy to be in worship with you today. Friends, if you haven't had a chance to check in yet, I invite you to just go ahead and take out your phone and to open up the Treach app and check in and let us know that you're here. That's really helpful to us. It helps us to stay connected with you and to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So we'd really appreciate it if you would, uh, if you would do that. A couple other little um, reminders before we, uh, before we begin the message today, and that is we're going to have a reaffirmation of our baptismal covenant. And now all you're going to need for that is just a little bowl of water. So, um, you know, if you haven't got a little bowl of water prepared, take, take a moment, go and grab that, and uh, we'll be ready to remember our baptisms together. Uh, and one last thing, we will be also celebrating the sacrament of Holy Communion later in the service. So if, if uh, you know, if you don't have your communion elements, your, your bread and your, and your cup ready, um, now's also a good time to, uh, to, to prepare for that. Well, happy new year, I guess, everybody. We made it through a profoundly strange year, and now we're just a few days into 2021. I hope you were able to celebrate the new year in a way that was both safe and meaningful for you. And I know if you're an exciting guy like me, your celebration may have looked an awful lot like you know, maybe going to bed a little extra early in your comfiest pajamas. Sounds exciting, I know. Now, one of the many ways that, uh, that we often mark the new years are making New Year's resolutions, right? And we make a promise to ourselves to make a change in our lives. Or like we, we declare that this year is going to be different because we resolve to do well, any, any number of things, right? Get more exercise, lose some weight, save money, quit smoking, drink less, keep the house a little bit cleaner, perhaps, learn Spanish, I don't know, spend more time with your family, uh, start reading books again, right? It could be anything. We, uh, there are so many things that we resolve to do at the beginning of a new year. And I bet if I could see all of you out there and I asked you to raise your hand, if you've ever made a New Year's resolution, I bet I would see most of you looking just like this with your hand raised up. Most of us at one time or another have, have done that, probably more than once. Now, I bet if I asked how many of us had at one time or another broken or given up on one of those New Year's resolutions, I bet that pretty much every single hand would stay up just like mine. I think at one time or another, I've made and, and broken or given up on just about every single uh, common New Year's resolution there is. You know, I used to uh, smoke cigarettes. And actually, it was right at about 10 years ago that I made it my New Year's resolution to quit smoking. I still remember I was at my friend Gabriel's house at a little New Year's Eve get-together. And I remember at 11.55 p.m. on December 31st of 2010, I said, this is the last cigarette I will ever smoke. And it was, for a few days anyway. And uh, a few days later, the temptation got too strong and I went and next thing I knew I was buying another pack and I was right back at it. Now I did eventually quit, but it took me another couple of years and a few more failed attempts to get there. That New Year's resolution didn't really work out. Of course, that's not the only resolution I broke. And about five years ago, when Annie and I lived in Denton, I made the resolution to finally get in shape. I started exercising every day. I got a membership to the little gym down the street. You know, it's open 24-7, just in case I feel the need to, to work out at two in the morning, 
right? Because that happens sometimes. And for a while there, I went every day. I mean, every day. And then, you know, it was a few times a week and, and then it was once a week. And uh, eventually, well, who has the time to work out anyway? I mean, I kept the membership for another year or so, just in case I finally found the time to start working out again. Does that sound familiar to you? I bet you have some kind of similar story from, from your life. See, we people, we are promise makers, but we're also promise breakers. You know, we usually mean well, but it is just so hard for us to follow through on our promises, especially the promises that we make to ourselves, right? When it's just us, when it's only us who are holding both ends of the promise, right? When there's no real accountability, there's really no one else in it with us. Well, dropping one end of the thing means dropping the whole thing altogether. You know, it's a lot harder to break a promise when there's someone in it with us, when there's accountability and consequences for not holding up our end. One special kind of promise between people is called a covenant. A simple way to, to define a covenant would be to say that a covenant is an oath-bound relationship between two or more parties, an oath-bound relationship between two or more parties. And there's all different kinds of covenants for all different kinds of situations, but, but those are really the kind of the two common factors, I would say, in what makes something a covenant. Right? There's more than one party involved, a person or group or something. Uh, and then there's oaths, right? solemn, serious promises that are made between those people or groups. You know, when Annie and I got married uh, right here in this church, actually, um, we made a solemn promise to one another. We promised to love comfort, honor, and keep one another, forsaking all others, and to be faithful to one another as long as we both shall live. We promise to, to have and to hold one another. You've probably heard this language, to have and to hold from that day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to cherish one another until we were parted by death. That was the covenant that we made, the oath-bound relationship that we established between one another. And you know, I, I intend to keep my end of the covenant, and I pray every morning for God to help me, for God to help me to be a good husband, a faithful husband, for God to help me so that I can just, just be that person for her, because I know that we humans are covenant makers, but we're also covenant breakers. Now, too often, marriage covenants or family covenants, workplace covenants, covenants between friends, all kinds of covenants between people get violated and broken because, well, human beings are imperfect, right? We're subject to all kinds of flaws and temptations and influences, all kinds of things that draw us away from those solemn promises that we've made. So I pray for God's help every day because I know that I need it. And I know that God can help me and God will help me because God is the ultimate covenant maker. And unlike us, God is a covenant keeper. You know, all throughout the great narrative of the Bible, over and over again, God makes covenants with the people, these solemn promises of a new relationship or a renewed relationship. And God's always faithful. God always uphold God's end of the covenant. 
But of course, the covenant, right, is made between two parties. And so often we have not lived up to the expectations that came along with the promises that we made. And we find one of the first great covenants uh, in the Bible at the end of the story of Noah and the great flood in the book of Genesis, right? God saved Noah and his family and all kinds of living creatures through the destruction of the great flood. And God makes a covenant to give creation a new beginning. God has always been faithful to that covenant. Our end of the covenant was to respect all life and to never shed the blood of an innocent person. All it takes is one glance through human history to see that we haven't upheld our end of that covenant. Later in Genesis, God makes another great covenant, this time with, with Abraham. You know, God promises to give Abraham a family, to, to give him a great multitude of descendants so that those descendants can be a blessing to all the families of the earth. God has continued to bless the earth through the descendants of Abraham, and especially through one descendant named Jesus. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So, uh, you know, God has always been faithful to that covenant with Abraham. You know, God blessed Abraham's family, blessed them so they would bless this entire world. Yet we don't have to read much further in the Bible to see that that family didn't always hold up their end of the covenant. You know, just like us, we, Abraham's spiritual descendants, we haven't always upheld ours. The book of Exodus, we see that the people of Israel had become slaves in Egypt. and God sends Moses to rescue them. And once they've gained their freedom, God makes a covenant with them at Mount Sinai. God gives them the Ten Commandments and all the rest of the law, and God shows them how to live good lives full of justice and mercy, lives that are pleasing to God. And God never withdrew that faithful love from the people, but the people didn't always uphold their end of the covenant. Big surprise, right? The people would often forget God, and they would turn to other gods, and they would deal unjustly with their neighbors, especially with the poor and the weak. And don't we do the same now? I mean, I know I haven't always lived up to God's standard. I haven't always loved God with all my heart, mind, and strength. I haven't always loved my neighbor as myself. Later in the, in the first years of the kingdom of Israel, we read in the, uh, the book of 2 Samuel that God makes a special covenant with the house of King David. He promises David that one of his descendants will sit on an everlasting throne and will reign forever. That descendant is Jesus. I'm getting ahead of myself again. You know, God has always been faithful to that promise to David, but the rest of the Old Testament, really the rest of, of, uh, of Scripture in many ways, makes it clear that most of David's descendants haven't always held up their end of the covenant. Over and over again, the, the kings of Israel and Judah violated their relationship with God, right? They ignored God's promises. They worshiped false gods. They ruled the people with violence and, and greed and, and disregard for that mercy and peace and justice that is God's heart. They ruled so foolishly and, and incompetently. It was such a lust for power that they ended up starting wars that they couldn't win. Their kingdoms were destroyed and their people suffered and their people were carried away 
into exile in foreign lands. Yet in the midst of all that turmoil, all that war and that chaos and that fear and that pain, when it must have felt like God had given up on the people, God sent them a message of hope through the prophet Jeremiah. You know, in the 31st chapter of the book of Jeremiah, we read this. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. It won't be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant with me, even though I was their husband, declares the Lord. No, this is the covenant that I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my instruction within them and engrave them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. They will no longer teach each other to say, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wrongdoing and never again remember their sins. This is an astonishing word from God that changes everything. Right? I mean, time and time again, God has reached out in love to God's people. Time and time again, God has made covenants. He's made solemn promises of everlasting faithfulness to the people. And time and again, we have broken them or or forgotten them or just quit holding up our end. And so God says to the people, one day, I'm going to make another covenant with you, a new covenant, unlike any covenant I've ever made before. You know, these other covenants, I've I've spoken them to you, or I've written them down on stone tablets for you to read. It seems like you just can't remember, can't can't hold on to the knowledge of what these promises really mean. So this time, I'm not going to leave anything to chance. This time, I'm going to write my promises on your heart. I'm going to come to you in a way that you can't even imagine yet, and I'm going to put my words of love so deep inside you that you can never forget them. Then you will know the fullness of my love for you. The fullness of what I hope and, and dream for you and for your life. The fullness of what it means to be my friends, my children, my bride, the ones that I love with an unending love then you'll truly know me. Then you'll truly know your God. And you will be my people. And I will be your God. Friends, you want to know the best news of all? The best news of all is that God did it. God has done it. God does it still. God made that new covenant with us. God came to us as a baby born in a stable in Bethlehem, a baby who was named Jesus. Jesus, who was a descendant of Noah, a descendant of Abraham and and of the children of Israel, a descendant of David. You know, Jesus taught us who he is, who we are, how to live, how to love. And Jesus gathered his disciples on the night of the Passover feast and he shared bread and wine with them. And in Luke's gospel, we read that when he offered them the cup, he said, this is the cup, the new covenant by my blood, 
just poured out for you. And it was only hours later that the mob came for him and, and he was arrested and he was sentenced to death and he was nailed to a Roman cross. You know, Jesus took all our sin and all our guilt on himself, all our shame. He took it on himself and he forgave it all. And he poured out his blood for us to make that new covenant that he had promised. You know, Paul puts it beautifully, I think, in the letter to the Colossians when he says this. He says, all the fullness of God was pleased to live in Jesus. And he reconciled all things to himself through him. Whether things on earth or in the heavens, he brought peace through the blood of his cross. Yes, he brought peace through his blood, but, but you know what? Death couldn't hold him. And he rose from the grave on the third day and he is alive among us right now. He has fulfilled every covenant between us and God and he invites each and every one of us to take our place in the new covenant that he's made with us. Right? He stands ready to, to, to write his love upon the heart of anyone who seeks him. Right? He stands ready to pour out the gift of the Holy Spirit into the heart of everyone who puts their trust in him. He stands ready to forgive every sin, to wipe out every scrap of guilt and shame, and to remember them no more, and to fill you and me with a peace that surpasses anything that we can understand. All of this is a gift that he offers to us right now, and all he asks is that we love him and we give ourselves to him in return. Paul, in his letter to the Romans, says this, Brothers and sisters, because of God's mercies, I encourage you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. This is your appropriate priestly service. You know, some other translations Uh, say, this is your reasonable service. Because of what Jesus has done for us, the only reasonable response there is is to to give up our whole lives, our body, our mind, our soul, to give up everything we are to Him. To give up our lives into His hands. Friends, one way that we can offer ourselves to God is by making our own covenant with Him. See, on our own, we're, we're, we're covenant breakers. You know, we're covenant breakers, but when Jesus writes His love upon our heart, He sets us free from covenant breaking. He sets us free to be a covenant keeper like Him. Now, of course, that doesn't always mean we will always do the right thing, but it does mean that we always can do the right thing. We always can keep our covenants with Him. Maybe you're hearing the good news about Jesus for the first time and, and, and you're realizing, you're finding, you're feeling that you, you want to offer yourself and your life to Him. Or maybe you're already a disciple of Jesus and, and you want to you renew your commitment to Him. Or maybe you take that commitment to the next level. 
whatever your circumstances, we have an opportunity to, uh, to do that right now, to make a covenant with God. For more than 200 years, Methodists everywhere have prayed this special covenant prayer to God and have done it at the beginning of every new year. And so if you're ready to make a radical commitment to God, a radical commitment to the God who already knows you and already loves you more than you can ask or imagine, I wonder if you would pray these words with me. Let us pray. Most holy and gracious God, I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and your disposal. Now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. In the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. Friends, we come now to a time when we have the opportunity to to reaffirm the commitment that we made in our baptism or the commitment that was made for us by our parents or sponsors when we were baptized and that that we claim for ourselves we were confirmed or when we, we, we came to faith in Jesus. Now, if you are someone who has not been baptized before, I wonder if you could participate in this and just, and just in, in these words and in these acts that we'll do together to just consider what it might be like to be baptized, to be brought into the, in this special way to the, to the family of God. So I'd invite you to consider that. Uh, at one point, just, just a few minutes, I'm going to say to remember your baptism. That can be a little confusing phrase sometimes because it makes, it makes it sound like we ought to have some sort of memory of when it happened. And many of us, if we were baptized as babies, we don't remember it exactly. Um, the way I, I would invite us to hear that is not remember the time when we were baptized, but remember that we are baptized. Remember that you are baptized, that God has claimed you and has brought you into this family of faith. And so when I invite you to remember your baptism, just remember that, that God is yours and you are God's. Well, friends, let's, let's pray together. Oh, friends, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We're incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. Through the reaffirmation of our faith, we renew the covenant declared at our baptism. Acknowledge what God is doing for us and affirm our commitment to Christ's holy church. And now, friends, I have some questions to ask you. And I'm going to ask you a question. And then um, if you can say yes to that question and say, I do. So on behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? If you can say yes to that, then say, I do.
Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? If you do, then say with me, I do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? If you do, then say, I do. According to the grace given to you, will you remain faithful members of Christ's holy church and serve as Christ's representatives in the world? And if you will do that, say, I will. Now, friends, uh, if you have your, your bowl of water, I'd invite you to, to, to bring that close and maybe even put your hands over the water and let us pray together a blessing upon these waters. Let us pray. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb, he was baptized by John and anointed with your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Pour out your Holy Spirit and by this gift of water, call our remembrance to the grace declared to us in our baptism. For you have washed away our sins and you clothe us with righteousness throughout our lives so that dying and rising with Christ, we may share in his final victory. Amen. Well, friends, I invite you to, to dip your fingers in the water and then to make the sign of the cross or some other, other way, just put the water on your forehead and say, remember your baptism and be thankful. Remember that you are baptized into God's family and be thankful to God for that. Amen. Well, friends, may the Holy Spirit work within you that having been born through water and the Spirit, you may live as faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. Let us all say together, Amen. Friends, thank you so much for your incredible generosity all throughout 2020. The gifts that you give to this church are what makes all of our ministries possible. And for that, we are extremely grateful. To continue your giving or to, to start giving, you can go to tmumc.org give at any time. Friends, as we prepare to celebrate Holy Communion together, if you haven't already gotten your, uh, your bread and your, and your cup ready, now's the perfect time to do that. You know, we believe that when we share in this sacrament together, when we, when we pray God's blessing over this bread and on this cup and we, and we share them together as one, that Jesus is truly present among us. And so uh, what a joy it is for us to celebrate the sacrament together in the presence of our Lord Jesus. Now, as we prepare to pray God's blessing over, these, uh, over this, this bread and this cup, let us go to God and confess our sins. And let's first just confess just straight directly to God in the silence of our hearts. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. 
we have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. We've not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Friends, hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Thanks be to God. And now friends, let's go to God in prayer and, and, and pray the blessings of God upon this bread and this cup. Would you pray with me? Oh God, we give you thanks for who you are, for everything that you're doing in us and in our world, everything that you've done, for the promises that you made to us in your son, Jesus. And God, we remember that it was on the night in which he gave himself up for us that Jesus took bread. He gave thanks to you. He broke the bread. He gave it to his disciples saying to them, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks to you, O God. And he gave it to his disciples, saying to them, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice, in union with Christ's offering for us, as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered wherever we may be and on these gifts of bread and the fruit of the vine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world, the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other and one in ministry to all the world till Christ comes in final victory we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Friends, this is the body of Christ, which is given for you. And this is the blood of Christ, which is shed for you. Friends, now with the confidence of God's children, we, we can boldly say to our Father, using the words that uh, Jesus prayed, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.